Welcome to the Text Lab, where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples, and I'm here with Jen. Hi. Yep, she said hi. <laughs> She's here, and uh, and we are so excited to get into what we have today. So whether you are leading a group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope that the Text Lab helps you to lead meaningful conversations about what God has said in His Word. This week is John 7, 14 through 24. Let's get into it. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answered, You have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you the circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? <sighs> Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. This is a great text. This is, <laughs> I love anytime Jesus is in like some sort of uh, exchange with the religious elite of his day. And so this this is going to be a great one for you guys in your group time. But before we get into some questions, we want to go over some relevant background info to help you guys avoid speed bumps, but also give some insight into what's going on in the text. So we are actually picking up three days after verse 14. It's been three days. It's about the middle of the week, the middle of the feast. And so now Jesus is in the middle of the temple. And what it says is that he goes up, right? He's up in the temple, so likely there were massive crowds around him, the same kind of people who were speculating about him last week. They're now listening and, and wondering what he has to say. And one of the things that they're baffled by is that his teaching is so impressive. It's so amazing. And they're like, how could he know this? Because isn't he supposed to have gone to like some sort of school to figure this out? Like, how are his words so impressive? How is what he's saying so important? And Jesus lets them know that, hey, Everything I'm saying is from God, okay? The glory of God has always been Jesus' primary motivating factor with everything that he does. This is uh, so impressive because these people that were attacking Jesus actually knew the law. Moses and the law were um, their source of truth. Mm -hmm. It was the thing they relied on so heavily. They sent their, their people to school for this. They sat and listened to the law all the time. And yet Jesus was going to use the law to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Um, one of the things that I think is important as we lead our life groups is that anytime there's something um, kind of unique in a text, it's a potential for a speed bump. Yep. So the word demon will very naturally draw the attention of quite a few of the people in our group. And mm -hmm. so as a leader, it's really important that you know what they're trying to do here. Like when the crowd says, you have a demon, who's seeking to kill you? They're super snarky right there. Mm -hmm. Like they're essentially going, you're, you're demon possessed. You're, you you have paranoia because of this um, 
you know, demon inducement that you have. What? That's not even a word. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. <laughs> that's not a word. You crazy, son. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, it. They, that's they, it. You crazy. Um, and so anyway, so don't let the conversation go to right field here. Yeah. This is one of those, those times that if you let it keep going, it could go way too far and you're going to miss the big idea of a text, which ironically is the enemy's goal. Yep. So, that's right. Keep your eyes open on that. And then in verse 21, when they say, um, I did one work, and that one work is actually referring back in John um, 5, where he healed on the Sabbath. And they're still super ticked off about this. And they're going to attack him for it on the regular. When you read uh, in John 5, you see that that's when they decided, we want to kill Jesus. Let's let's kill him. And they set out to do that. And so Jesus has been kind of being chased by these people up to this point. And even now in the middle of the courts while he's talking, that's what's on their mind. Like they want to kill him if you think back to last week's text. There's also an argument that builds, right? Just like Jen said, he uses the law uh, like against them for their benefit because that was their what their whole culture was built around. And so what he does is he points out some of their inconsistencies. Anybody at home listening today have inconsistencies in their life? Uh, anybody like those pointed out by your kids or by your spouse? Like none of us do. You can imagine these people didn't like it either. Um, and he points out the inconsistency of healing somebody on the Sabbath being so just absolutely offensive that somebody felt the need to kill him and the fact that they circumcised babies on the Sabbath. So in the Hebrew customs, what they had to do was uh, they had to circumcise a, a, a boy by the eighth day. Okay. They had to circumcise him on the eighth day. And if they did that, it was a part of like welcoming him into the tribe of Israel and like almost sealing his eternal destiny in a way by doing that. And, and so it didn't matter if the eighth day right, fell on the Sabbath, right? If it was a Saturday, They went for it. That was it. And so Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath, which seems a little bit more important uh, as far as like the whole body being healed than uh, one part being removed. If we can get a little crass here, like (laughs) he's saying, Jen's like, wait, you invited me on the podcast and it's about circumcision today. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So Jesus heals. And what happens is, is they're, they're fighting about it. And he's saying, isn't this a little inconsistent? Um, and this inconsistency is really going to be a theme for the argument, and it's going to help you guys get to um, get to the why behind the what that Jesus says. And so um, being able to outline the argument can be helpful in your groups. Now, this last verse is potentially tricky because in it he says, um, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So... Be judgy, but but do but it don't judge. <laughs> do it right. So that's tricky. Um, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that um, there are ways for us to make healthy assessments, mm-hmm. and we use the truth that we know from God to make those assessments. And I think that's what He's encouraging us to do. He's saying, if you're going to do the will of God and you're going to dive into My Word and know Me and know God, then you're going to be able to make a proper assessment. And um, that's really important for us as we read the text, but really as we just navigate our entire lives. Yeah, and even on on top of that, like making that right assessment, uh, if they took that advice and made a right assessment of themselves, they would see the inconsistencies in their life too. 100%. So 
what do we do? How do okay. we walk through the text, Jen? Yep. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to put my English teacher hat on for a hot second. And when we look at narrative questions, when we hop into a narrative, these questions are consistent no matter what. It's a lot like when you teach a kid to read. You always ask them to read the title, look at the pictures, and then start reading. It's the same tactics every time, regardless of whatever book you're reading. So in the same way, here's our narrative questions. What happened? Why here? What's John's point? This is going to help us stay consistent to what the author and God wanted to teach us and not allow it to go again into right field and say, what does this mean to me? Here's what I feel like. This is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what, how could we guide through the text then? Those are going to help us with narrative all the time, but what are some questions to help us just navigate to the big idea? Okay, so first one. Let's start here. Why were Jesus's words so poignant? Like, why was everybody marveling at his words? Like, why was this such even a big deal? If they thought he was demon-possessed or if they thought he was whatever, wouldn't they just, like, and be done with it? Or would he actually, um, he actually upset them because he was so wise in his words? And so this is it. Jesus spoke with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke with um, God as his guiding force. Jesus opened his mouth and essentially God hopped out of it. And I think everybody noticed. Um, That's important. Uh, The second question I would take a look at is, what was Jesus's motivation for everything he did? This is um, such a big question in a Christian life. We're always saying like, what's my purpose? What's God's call on my life? What's, it's always embedded in scripture. And the same thing for Jesus, like regardless of what he was doing, whether he's sitting by the woman at the well, or he was teaching at the temple, um, God's glory was his number one motivating factor. That's good. So good. And uh, one of the things you can do even following up from that is trace the logic and flow of Jesus's argument. What is he saying? What's he really saying to them? Because that's where we're going to get to the big idea in this text, because it is mostly an argument that Jesus is presenting. So try to just follow through some of those points like we discussed earlier in the background info section. And then what you might want to ask are, what are the inconsistencies that Jesus is pointing out in this text? What is it that he's saying they're doing that isn't in line with God's heart, with God's law, with what God has invited them to do as his people? Yeah. And then I would take a deep dive into verse 24. How does verse 24 apply to Jesus's point? Um, We are called to um, point other people towards Jesus, and we can't do that if we don't know God's will, and we don't understand who we are and who he is, and um, we have to be able to make proper judgments from truth and wisdom and nothing else. Um, And then lastly, what does John want us to know about Jesus from this argument? Like, is he just a good guy? Is he actually a deceiver? Is he super paranoid? Is he possessed by a demon? Like, what's, who is Jesus in this? What is um, our job in, as we read this, to know Jesus? Like, what's the point? And so John is like, look, he is the son of God. He is going to consistently prove himself, but you actually have to know God to be able to identify that he is the son of God. 
And that's what's so helpful about that verse, John 20, 31. Like that is the theme verse of the whole book. That's what brings everything together. It's these are written that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. Okay. The, that will always help you bring together any text you're in because that's, that's the big idea of the whole book. But here in this text, the big idea um, really connects to what Jesus lays out, right? You've got this ironic, murderous intent for healing <laughs> and giving life through a miracle. Um, and you have all this inconsistency consistency happening, right? Where they allow circumcision on the Sabbath, but not healing. And what we see Jesus doing, if we were to just, you know, spell it out, is Jesus says, if you really knew God, you wouldn't see this as inconsistent. So try judging and assessing rightly. Okay, so Jesus, what he does is he's going to invite them to tear down their inconsistency and really walk in integrity. Um, that's, That's hard to do, right? I mean, and that's a hard pill to swallow, especially for them as they're listening, because they thought they were integrous. They thought that they're wanting to murder Jesus, which hint, hint, is a violation of the commandments anyway. Thou shalt Um, not murder. mm, Mm. Sounds familiar. Uh, That was against the rules anyway. But Jesus is pointing out, no, that's inconsistent. And I think the gauntlet he lays down is know God and live an integrous life. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the big idea of this text where John is going, the argument that Jesus makes and how that contributes to knowing that he's the son of God. So how could we apply this to our life? What's, yeah. what's a way we could do that? I mean, like first, whew, thank goodness this isn't a big request from God. Yeah, this is an easy one. Super. Know him fully so that you can live just like him. Yikes. Um, Okay, so I think when we dive into it in application, and it's important that application comes after we actually know what the scripture says, right? right? Um, In the right order. But my question right now is, like, what inconsistencies are you willing to admit that you have in your own um, walk with Jesus? Now, we have inconsistencies in life. Like, as a parent, I can inconsistently parent my children. I can tell Carson when he does something stupid to go to his bedroom, and I can tell Brayden when he does something stupid, don't do that again. That's very inconsistent, and that ticks off my whole family. Um, But in my walk with Jesus, that's different. So, like, what inconsistencies do we have? What do we claim with our mouth but don't do with our action? Or Mm. what do we pick and choose out of Scripture that we want to believe and the things that we don't want to believe because we don't like it? Like, where are the inconsistencies in our walk with Jesus? I think that's a really hard question. Mm. That's good. I think as I, as I think about that, like for my own life, okay, what are some of those inconsistencies in my walk with Jesus? I think one of them, one of them is, um, just the tendency I've had lately to just be stressed out and to Mm -hmm. freak out. And, um, whether it's just like a mountain of things that need to get done on my to-do list or, um, like I've shared before, we're getting ready for the baby bedroom, right? So getting all things set up, like, you know, putting together the wallpaper, getting things delivered and set up, like all the things coming in from Amazon. And then now that we're doing our birth classes, right? So we're doing those online. Okay. Super great. Watching this little, uh, person on a TV, you know, laptop explain how birth works. Um, I'm sure you're going to be so knowledgeable when you're done. I'm going to be a pro online learning is the best. And so, um, (laughs) but I've been like, just trying to take in all this information on top of everything, um, preparing to be a dad and then finding myself oscillating between I got this and what the heck is about to happen. Um, and I think when I think about inconsistencies, I look back to how faithful God's been in my life Mm. throughout my whole life and how 
I've actually always been able to count on him. And every time I've gone through a hard situation with whether it's, you know, stress or a new thing or a new challenge, he's always been there. And, um, when I have a tendency to freak out, I think it's because I'm really just being inconsistent Mm -hmm. in the faith that I've had before and recognizing that he, he does pull through and, um, he's actually made us stronger than we know because we have his spirit in us. And so that's been, that's been one for me recently. Um, what about you? What's like a space where you, you can think of? Um, so I don't know if any of you guys know this, but Michael and I help, um, with the resident training. And so once a month we pull all our residents in and we do, um, a training on leadership, on discipleship, on evangelism and all these things. And, I will spend the month preparing for it and reading and writing and journaling. And then we get there and we start asking questions and I'm prepared for something and then realize that I just checklisted all the things I needed to do and the things that I'm actually coaching them in, I'm failing to do. Mm. And there's this inconsistency right now of like, I can lead people to dive into God's word Mm. and to um, always keep your eyes open for the yet to believe and to, you know, invite people into relationship and then simultaneously not practice those same things, even though the great commission is for all of us, not just the ones learning it. And so it's good challenge. It's an annoying challenge, but it's good because Mm -hmm. if I want to teach it, I'm going to live it. And, um, if we're going to read it, if we're going to accept Jesus for who he is, then we've accepted fully and we need to live it out fully. And it's a really good gut check and it's a really terrible feeling. But when we do gut check, um, we get out of the way and we let God do his thing. That's good. It's so, it's so important to be able to identify those things in our life. And even like Jim was saying, like be able to like admit it, right. And say, okay, here's what's going on and then be able to move forward. And so in your groups, we really encourage you as a leader to do your best to share vulnerably. Um, sometimes you need to prepare something to say vulnerably. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, like I know it can be hard to think on the spot and uh, it can be helpful to just think of something that you're ready to share. Ideally something a little fresh, um, but that'll so set the stage for your group. It'll sh- set the stage for sharing on their part as well. Um, but then after we've admitted these inconsistencies, we don't want to leave people there, right? Like, dang, I suck at this. And hey, this has been a challenge for me. But what we want to always do is point them to the truth of the gospel, right? That's like why we gather is to remember Jesus. Um, And when we're gathered in a group, we're reminding each other of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So here, the gospel for us, as we receive this word of, of God, what inconsistencies are in my heart? How do I need to live, uh, you know, in your light? A way that we can ask a question to help us get to the heart and the root of the issue is how would knowing God better protect us from inconsistency in our relationship with him? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how, and try to help draw those connections, right? So for instance, knowing that God is faithful helps me to not freak out as much. Knowing that God has steadfast love helps me to know that he's never going to leave me no matter what I do or how I mess up. Like knowing these truths of God are going to help us to be a little more consistent in our life, which is in line with what Jesus has asked us to do in living an integrous life. And so, guys, I hope that this has encouraged you. I hope this gives you some tools in your tool belt to be able to lead group well this week. Thank you um, for letting me and my crazy mouth be on this podcast. Anytime. (laughs) 
our promise to you is that um, we're going to do our best to make your time valuable as a leader. So um, if this helped you in any way, would you let me know so I know I didn't ruin it? Great. And uh, whether you're at the gym, mowing the lawn, driving, or whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope that you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. And as always, like the scripture said, do your prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who was sent this week to do the living proof into his group, into your family, into your Pray Watch communities, wherever God invites you, you're going to show God's love by imitating him. We love you guys, and we will check you next time on The Text Lab. Ciao!